Welcome, everyone, to um, the ProHo Podcast Lunch. I'm so excited that everyone came. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited, and I hope everyone is aware that you are part of an amazing live recording happening right now, live podcast recording. So if you see this device here, you know, if you say something that you regret, just send me a note. I can edit it out. It's great. It's fine. Um, but I just want to thank everyone for coming and for people who don't know who I am. My name is Penda, and there are a few new faces that I don't know. And I'm the creator and founder of ProHo, which started after my mom gave me my first vibrator a few years ago, two years ago. And um, I think she gave it to me kind of as a joke because I was single and she's like, oh, you're probably not getting enough dick. You know, you got to at least take a vibrator, girl, at least take a vibrator. So she said, you know, um, go online, order whichever one you want and I'll buy it for you, um, which is funny because then once I got it, I was like, mom, this is the one I ordered. And she's like, no, this is way too much information. Like I bought it. I don't need to see it or know what you do with it. Um, and so that gift, you know, sparked this conversation of the lack of intergenerational dialogue that has to deal, deal with sexual wellness in communities of color, particularly for black women and she said that she wished she would have spoken to her kids about sex at a much younger age and I was really reflecting on that and thinking about how I learned about sex from porn and from the media and from TV and having sex with people you know that were not suitable partners but just kind of having those experiences and learning and finding out what I liked what my desires were and so that really started um, this journey of ProHo. I started blogging and writing and felt like, wow, if I can be really open about these type of conversations and hopefully other people feel confident sharing and being open about theirs as well. So thus ProHo was born and why not a podcast? Because again, I love the art of storytelling. I was a professional dancer before and I, so I love to tell stories, whether that's through my body or my words or my writing. So a podcast only seemed suitable. So I'm really excited for you to be here and to, um, for the launch of the podcast. Lisa Jonay is the beautiful illustrator who did the body for the design. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, lovely. And so I'm really excited to also announce uh, Dr. Travis, Travis Meadows, not announce, introduce, and he's going to tell us a little bit about himself and his practice. Thank you. Uh, I'm Travis Meadows. I'm a psychiatrist practicing in New York City. Um, a little bit about me. I'm from uh, South Carolina. You may hear a southern drawl as I talk more. Um, I went to medical school in Charleston, and I came up to New York to do my residency at Mount Sinai Hospital. And while training there, I did a focus training in uh, sexual health, sexual dysfunctions, as well as OCD. So I have a bit of a weird mix of specialized skills. Um, but I would say my passion as a, as a black man, as a man of color, is really uh, taking my knowledge and taking my skill set and, and looking at ways I can help my community. That starts with the patients I interact with, my own family, and my community that I see in front of me. Thank you. And so I, I felt like, you know, as I'm developing this brand, a lot of people would ask me questions about certain things related to sexual trauma or ancestral trauma. And I sometimes I just really don't have the answers because I'm not a doctor. So I felt like bringing in a doctor would really validate um, the work that I'm trying to do. And it's like, if I can't give the answers, I hope that I can cre create a space that can facilitate that for people. So, you know, this is the first of a monthly session. So every month I would love to have um, someone, even if that's an author or a writer, someone who's more experienced and can answer those questions um so i just hope that i can continue to create those spaces um and so 
Since it's the first episode of the podcast, I thought it would be really amazing to, instead of having a traditional panel, but to have people share memorable first-time sexual experiences, and we can listen and respond, and however that conversation shifts would be really wonderful. Um, of course, you can laugh and cry and whatever, all of that shit, um, and make people feel comfortable. So first up, we have the lovely Neka Joy. Hello, Neka. <laughs> So Neka is going to share a little story for us. So I'm really looking forward to this. And thank you for being honest and open and vulnerable and sharing. I remember the first time I heard the word slut. Well, I'd heard it once or twice before, but I didn't really know what it meant. This time, however, it was my school principal who was screaming it at a fifth grade chapel service one Monday morning. I'll never forget it. He was incensed that a famous singer had a sweaty, breathy, whiny voice, and she moved around all sexy. Yes, those were his actual words. And the supposed slut in question was none other than Britney Spears. <laughs> his condemnation was a warning to all of us middle school girls chosen to sit in on this very important discussion on modesty that if we wanted to be respectful and dignified, well, of course, we needed to speak with clear voices and not walk with an attention-seeking strut, or else we too would grow up to be sluts like Britney. This was all par for the course in my upbringing. Growing up, my entire identity was cultivated through the lens of white, cishet, evangelical Christianity. My parents were and are staunch Baptist fundamentalists who raised me to believe that a woman's worth lies between her legs. From my earliest memories since childhood, this was all I knew. Every view I had about femininity and my body, all autonomy, everything was basically acquired through beliefs that were thrust upon me by chance of birth. And it didn't help that my church and my school were one and the same. And once I hit puberty, I was bombarded with lessons that vilified my body for simply existing. Once I started to develop breasts, endless shame surrounding my new body became the norm. And I was never off the clock because the task of remaining pure is a full-time job. And don't get me started on the new sensations of desire. I was endlessly horny. Horny at school, horny at youth group. I was literally horny <laughs> everywhere. But those were dirty, sinful feelings. And even though I denied it when I was 13 at a slumber party at my best friend's house, I actually masturbated regularly. And then I would cry and I would pray for forgiveness in a never-ending cycle. You see, during weekly Sunday school lessons and Bible class every single morning at school, it was clear that the onus was always on girls and women to cover up and not tempt boys and men in our lives and become a stumbling block for them. After all, they would say, boys are visual creatures and can't control their hormones, unlike you girls can. Uh, yeah, okay, sure, Mrs. Coppola. Yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> RIP to my mother's handheld vibrator. You know, that back massager that she had, she never did understand how it died when she only used it a few times. <laughs> These things permeated my headspace for years. I was constantly riddled with self-guilt and shame, and the lack of self-worth was compounded by the fear I had that I was disappointing God for doing wicked, wicked things like having desires and a body with curves, curvier than all my white friends anyways. To this day, I can quote 2 Corinthians 10.5 at the drop of a hat, 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yeah, that was the Bible verse that everybody was encouraged to learn when you had sexual thoughts. This was all an act, of course, because memorizing verses didn't stop biology for me, but it did continue to fuck with my mental state. In addition to the endless services, I would regularly participate in youth conferences and rallies, and every single summer I attended a Christian camp a couple of hours away from my home. Here I was the only black girl. I and most of the other girls that I met would repeatedly answer the calls to the prayer at, after every single chapel and service, recommitting ourselves to remain pure and vowing not to have sex until marriage. I read books like Sex God and I Kissed Dating Goodbye, which were bestsellers among the evangelical circuit. Purity was always the goal. Wait until marriage when your husband deflowers you and you will be worthy. We wore purity rings as a testament to that commitment and even attended father-daughter banquets that basically symbolized that your dad owns your pussy until a time in the future when he transfers the deed into your husband. So, yes, it was fucked up. <laughs> Despite constantly trying to prove that I was one of the worthy pure girls, I was hyper aware of my body and the fact that it was consistently under scrutiny and sexualization. When I started working as a counselor at that same camp, uh, one of the parents of one of my campers told me that I looked much older than my age. The very next day at a staff meeting, the camp director's wife pulled me aside and suggested that I should order some shirts in a larger size so that I would not be drawing attention to my body. Remember modesty and holiness, she said. Not only was I forced to deal with the weight of burgeoning womanhood, but yes, I had stereotypical black girl curves and compared to my white friends who mostly had skinny bodies and perky little tits, my body was particularly sinful. Don't get me started on the time when an official crisis was declared after a woman at church went around saying that she could see my nipples and I quote, shining like headlights through my sweater. A series of unfortunate events occurred throughout the years and somehow I managed to remain pure through my formative years. And after high school, I spent a year in a remote extremist Bible studies program in rural Pennsylvania, where again, I was the only black girl. We all signed documents swearing that we would not have sex before marriage and committing to upholding all of the school rules of compulsory abstinence. But there were weaklings among us. <laughs> After a girl was asked to leave the program for having sex, one of my sweetmates said that without God's blessing, sex is unenjoyable and always painful, and that if we do it, we're giving a piece of our soul away and essentially becoming damaged goods. The very essence of my existence, fabric of my being, was intrinsically linked to whether or not I had opened my legs to a man before, and I hated it. I hated having big boobs, I hated being horny, I hated wanting sex, but being afraid I'd be worthless if I had it. And more than anything, I wanted to disassociate from my body. I didn't learn the tenets of sexual agency or consent, only guilt. All I had to offer was the prized possession of my virginity, and it didn't matter what was in my head or my heart, just between my legs. I was 21 when I finally decided to have sex, but by then I was living in New York City and still horny as hell. The weekend it happened, I was both nervous and excited. But I thought I was mostly prepared to push the religious shame surrounding the forbidden act out of my mind. But it turns out I was wrong. 
waves of guilt overwhelmed me in the aftermath and I sobbed and I prayed and repentance for doing such a terrible, terrible thing like have sex. I begged God to forgive me and for two days afterwards I fasted, which if you know me, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, all right, all right. You know I love food. <laughs> you know that it would take a very rare, rare occurrence something truly supernatural to make me miss a meal. And as it turns out, the fear of condemning my eternal soul to a hell that would burn forever like for a fire is actually a pretty strong motivator. But don't get it twisted. The fear was often outweighed by my horniness, and I still like to fuck. But for a long time afterwards, I was trapped in a cycle of regret and shame. I had talked to a therapist that suggested I had vaginismus, which is basically a psychological condition tied to emotional trauma that makes penetrative sex painful or uncomfortable. And for me, a long time after losing, quote unquote, my virginity, sex was really hit or miss. There would be times where in the act, I would suddenly freeze out. I'd be screaming out in pain. I would suddenly tense up. I would have all kinds of responses and I never knew if it was going to be enjoyable or if it was going to be something that really um, shocked me and sent me down a spiral. My pleasure literally became bound up in fear and guilt and add queerness to the mix and I had a nice strong cocktail of self-loathing and it did not taste very good. While I no longer subscribe to fundamental literalism or even the social construct of virginity itself that marked the beginning of a journey through my 20s and that continues to be an ongoing process for me at 30, to break free from a notion that my being, body, or pleasure belong to anyone but myself. And it's taken a massive deconstruction and decolonizing of my faith and my worldviews to get to a place where I can loudly and proudly enjoy pleasure and giving myself permission to love sex and my body in all of its glory. Yes, thank you, Neca. Just yes. I, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, I want to open the floor if anyone feels so inclined to comment or have a question or feels like they can relate or had an opposite experience. If anyone wants to say anything, Lisa. And back support. Right, it's important. I'm not going to say a whole lot, but a lot of your story I resonated with in ways and not in a way that I didn't go to a, you know, a, a Christian school. I went to a public school. Um, but it's really funny how aligned Christian views with sex are aligned with the idea that women are hoes, you know, in like the more urban, you know, communities. And it's like a lot of that purity is a is a line between the two and it's just like what <laughs> um i also it was really funny the the vibrator back massager part because my my aunt's my um sorry her back massager went missing and i <laughs> and i still have it um <laughs> um I just also just wanted to say more than anything, thank you for sharing that story. That was amazing. 
Um, I love that I can find bits of my own, you know, life experiences in your story. And I think that's important, which is one thing I want to also say. Pinda, congratulations. This is great. This is... <laughs> Neka, your story is is exactly why Pinda's doing this. This is, like, perfect. Um, and I'm so glad that I could just kind of like be at ease now with like some of my own you know life experiences because again you're I'm not alone and neither of you are you so thank you does anyone else have anything to comment to that story beautiful story yes Hanan um hi everybody I'm Hanan um so growing up very conservative Muslim um, the idea of sex is like hellfire, like you said. Um, your vagina will be burning. That's what I was first told. If you have sex and you're not married, so um, I think for me, I related almost everything you said. Um, but more importantly, there was a deeper level for me because I, early on, living in a house full of boys, I had like nine brothers, and being the only girl. Um, I was very, like, I knew they were having sex because they were, like, sneaking girls in the house <laughs> late nights. Um, so I used to, like, lie to my family and be like, yeah, yeah, I did something. I'm, I'm actually masturbating. You know, like, I was, like, when I wasn't doing any of this because I really truly thought that my vagina would be burning if I did anything. But um, and another layer of it was because, like, um, I really – through my religion, I wanted to believe that like something um, was gonna happen if I did have sex. I didn't have sex until like my late twenties, um, and like a, a little bit of it was because of trauma. Like I had a sexual assault like early on in my life, and so I carried that and I kind of hid behind my religion. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna wait until I get married. I'm just gonna masturbate, and that's that's gonna be my life. But it was a while until I could like free myself from like the chains of like both of those worlds, the religion aspect and the, the trauma aspect of it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Do you have anything to add? Not to put you on the spot, Dr. Meadows. <laughs> Please, thank you. Um, I, I think in sort of the story shared and the, and the comments um, that follows, point out something that I see in the people I work with very commonly is as a child a lot of a lot of growing up is about taking what you're taught and applying it and then truly coming into adulthood is about challenging what you're taught and seeing if that applies to who you want to be and that's the same goes for religious views and that carries over into every domain of your life including sex and one of the themes was the struggles with what we were taught about sex versus what your own individual feelings are about it and how torn people can be. And uh, a lot of our journey in, a, uh, in being an adult is about being daring enough to say, okay, that's what I was taught, but I'm going to challenge that. And I'm going to give my, myself more space than to be so black and b white about sex being evil or my vagina being on fire. And that it, my vagina can be a lot more things than just a, a fire if I happen to use it. <laughs> um, but I, I just want to point out the, the courage that it takes, especially for women, because across cultures, right, I've seen this in people where I'm from, Deep South, Bible Belt, so you got Christianity, right, Baptist, 
Um, I've seen it in Orthodox Jewish women. I've seen it in women who come from tra traditionally Muslim cultures, right? So there's there's a this bias. It always seems to be against women. So I always really want to acknowledge the the strength it takes to challenge those social norms and to challenge the things that really at a very young age are immediately ingrained into you about how you're supposed to feel about your body. And to go against that, it takes tremendous amounts of courage. And you hear it in the comments and the stories that have been shared. Wonderful, thank you. All right, so to keep things moving, we have our next storyteller, unless anyone else has anything else to add. We would, I would like to introduce the beautiful Teresa. Hello, Teresa. So uh, we would love to hear your story. So um, just in case, it, uh, my name is Teresa. Um, I'm the founder of Sexish. It's an inclusive pleasure party where people can uh, embrace their sexuality through interactive activities, um, focusing on having an open conversation with your partner. Um, so that's why I was so grateful when Penda came up to me and asked me to talk about my first time. Uh, when she asked me to talk about my first time, I was like, I could get super clean or I could get super dirty. And of course, she chose something super dirty. Um, so the first time I spoke at a Proho, her first Proho event, I think, is about eating ass. So I'm going to do a full circle and just talk about ass again. Um, it's not gonna be about eating ass. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, God, I have to follow that. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm not gonna talk about eating ass this time, but I'm gonna talk about my first time uh, pegging a man. Um, so, I was a dominatrix. Yeah, right. So, for those of you guys who don't know what pegging is, it's basically reverse anal sex. So, instead of a man uh, penetrating a man, a woman, um, in her ass, it's a woman with a strap on penetrating a man. So I was dominatrix for a year, and to be f a little backstory, yeah. yes, dominatrix, <laughs> uh, leather. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so um, before I was a dominatrix, um, I had no intentions of being a dominatrix. The freakiest thing I thought I had done at the time was like taking it from the back. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a freak. I was telling everyone I was a freak because. <laughs> I was taking it back from the back, not even from the ass. It was like literally just from the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the freakiest thing that I've done at that moment um, until I <laughs> watched an episode of Billions and the attorney on the show, uh, he went to a dominatrix club because he, w he fell out of control, right? Right, everyone knows the, the scene. So he felt out of control. He had to go to a dominatrix club to like level himself and like be himself again. And after that episode, I was just so obsessed with the power exchange. Um, and I, uh, obsessed with the power exchange, and also because I'm naturally submissive, so I've never seen a man be so vulnerable to anyone. I was always a vulnerable one in the, the situation. Um, as for pegging, I've never thought of putting anything up any man's butt before. I always thought my butt because, <laughs> like, eventually it's going to happen, right? <laughs> At right, that um, I I never even thought of eating ass before, so that like everything was just so new to me at that point. Um, until my first day of being a dominatrix, um, there was this one of the girls. Her client had asked her for a pegging session, and he wanted an audience in the middle of the session. 
So a bunch of me and a bunch of other girls walked into a room while a man was getting pegged. And all I saw was an old, white, wrinkly man on a table with his legs up in the air getting pile drive by a dildo this big, like as big as the end of an orange cone, right? Like, I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> like, I wish I was. Um, and, you know, like, any person would have run out of the room, but I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so interesting. I need to stay. Uh, so a bunch of thoughts were running through my head. One, I can't believe this is the first day on the job. I get to see this. Um, two, I can't believe he's taking a dick this big. And then I started ta thinking about, like, my capabilities of what, how big I can take it. <laughs> and, and three, like, when is it going to be my turn to do the pegging? So um, it was not too long ago a uh, man had asked me to do a pegging session as well as, like, do a humiliating session. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I prayed for. <laughs> Someone to humiliate and peg at the same time. This is perfect. Um, also, mind you, I for that whole entire week after seeing that pegging session, I was watching a lot of pegging porn, um, like going inside a lot of pegging sessions just so I can be prepared for this day. And after he told me, I ran to our dildo room in the back, and I was like... <laughs> I was like, there's so many dildos to choose from. I'm so excited. <laughs> there was like, we had like small ones, medium ones, big ones, extra big ones, um, like blue ones, green ones, the ones with the bumps. <laughs> and then like every type of dildo you can think of. But um, for the first time, I didn't want to go too small and I also didn't want to go too big. But I did want to get a dig, a dick size where if I threw it at someone, they're like, damn, that's a big ass dick. <laughs> So um, I grabbed the dick th uh, that I thought was perfect, grabbed my harness, put the dick through the harness, and put it on, looked at myself in the mirror before I went in the room, and I was like, damn, I just, I look so good. Um, if you haven't seen a woman with a strap on, I suggest you Google it or something, because it's the hottest thing, yeah. right? Um, so I felt, I was, before going in the room, I was feeling super confident, um, just because I was prepping for this day. And also because, you know, I'm a fucking Leo. I could do anything, <laughs> right? Um, but I also, um, during the time, I also did feel nervous because these men who were going to these dungeons have been going for years. Um, they could tell from the, like, a mile if someone's super submissive or if um, they're inexperienced. Like, they've been going so long to these dungeons that they knew what they wanted. And I didn't want to fuck up my first time, right? Um, so then I walk into the room with my dick on and everything. Um, and he's already on his all fours. And um, so to begin, I started humiliating him. I called his dick small, calling him a worm, like a little piece of shit, my bitch, and everything. And then finally, <laughs> and then finally I was like, are you ready to take this dick? <laughs> are you ready to take this dick? And he was like, yes, Mistress T. That was my name, Mistress T. So not creative. I honestly didn't, honestly, I didn't think I was gonna get the job. If, if, I, if I could go back, I would have done like Mistress Ling Ling or something because I look like it, but whatever. So um, he's on his fours already. I get my gloves on and I lube up my hands. 
I start. Um, so I get my gloves on. I put. I'm lubing up my fingers. I start playing with his asshole because I start thinking about like how I would want to be penetrated. I wouldn't want someone to just shove their dick up my ass. Um, so I get him all warmed up. I start teasing him. Also, like just saying like, "Are you ready to take this dick?" Right. Um, and as soon as I think that he's fully warmed up, I try putting my dick in his asshole. And it didn't go in his asshole, it went down. And then I tried I tried it again. It was like going side to side. It was going up. It was literally going everywhere but his asshole. <laughs> and it, this was like going on for one to two minutes. I was like, oh my God. But I was trying to stall to like still kind him a little bit. And then finally, I think he figured it out that I couldn't find his asshole. He, he got out of character, turned around, looked at me, and was like, is this your first time? And something about that triggered me and pissed me off because, like, one, no, this isn't my first time, but yes, it is my first time. <laughs> and two, who told you to speak, right? <laughs> so I get my hand because usually we have, like, a safe word that we use. So I, use, I get my hand again, lube up my hand, and I'm this time I'm, like, really making sure he's loose, right? I'm, like, putting my fist in this time, like, and he's not saying anything, so I'm continuing to like fist his asshole. Um, and while <laughs> while his uh, while my fingers no, I just told him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. So while my hands were in his asshole, I slid my dick in, and it went in, and I was just like yes. <laughs> in my head, I was like yes. Um, and he was enjoying it, and I got a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And while I was penetrating him, and I just felt like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. And two, I feel so powerful. Like, I get it now why men feel like they have the upper hand. They literally have an upper hand, right? Um, and that whole experience, you know, he obviously took back, like, me being asking me if it was my first time because he enjoyed it so much. Um, he continued to ask me to peg him in other sessions. Um, but after that experience, I just had so much respect in men because honestly, after seven thrusts, I was just over it. I was so tired. I, thought, I was just thinking about like the times when me or like other women would ask the men like, go harder, like go faster. Like they are really, putting in work. <laughs> Are they not? Can any of the men speak to that? Is it exhausting work? Dean, is it exhausting? We are in agreement. They are in agreement. They are in agreement. No, guys, it's a lot of work. My legs are tired. I was like, we need a break after this. Like, this was seven strokes, okay? Seven strokes. Um, but also, like, even just sex in general, like, I grew respect for us women too um, because we women, we as women, we have to open ourselves to the person who's penetrating us. Um, and I, I never really looked at it like that where we are the women who are so vulnerable and these men are so vulnerable um, allowing us to do that. Um, and so I've never done this in my personal life but I'm so open to doing it just because it's so sexy for anyone 
to be open and confident to ask for what they want. Um, yeah, that's my story of my first time pegging. <laughs> Thank you, Pena. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, yeah. Teresa. Give it up for Teresa. Amazing. I'm going to introduce Corey, who is someone who's really special to me um, on this Proho journey because he's been incredibly open and I get text and voice notes all the time and we talk about his experiences. He's been very vulnerable. Um, so I'm really excited for him to share his story. Um, and I'm just so thankful for you for being so open, Corey. So I would love for you to share. Thank you, Penda. Uh, so um, I just, yeah. Can we give you like an applause? Like I just. Yeah, I think when we first met, um, what was it, nine months ago when you did at Sincerely Tommy, uh, the discussion on anal play, I, I didn't know what I was getting into, what I was showing up for, um, and just hearing the conversations in that room. I think once you got past the surface level of like, at, yeah, just it being an awkward conversation, I think the wisdom that was being shared around the room was just like amazing to see. Um, and then to even be here tonight and hear the different stories um, and comments and reactions, uh, it just, it's continuing in that same same fold um i'll be sharing uh this evening my first experience uh having my very first threesome um and yeah it wasn't i to make my background um in history just really short of a story uh i come from a very similar background uh NECA of just yeah christianity um white patriarchal uh, bullshit. Um, so yeah, I won't rehash that again, but, uh, coming from a background like that, it just, it was very, a lot of my experiences sexually were always, uh, hidden or, or practice, uh, just away, I think from the light. Um, so either I was hiding or, um, I was hiding my partners. Um, and I'm a cisgendered, uh, male, black male. So, yeah, I think just the women uh, that I was involved with, um, yeah, they just, it, it was it was nothing that was, uh, I took pride in. And when you're moving through life, especially through your sex life that way, like it cannot be enjoyable um, to any degree. Maybe there's bits and pieces of it that are enjoyable, but the whole thing uh, just feels like a lie um, or, or just wrong. And so... Um, earlier this year, I think not too long after I went to that very first, uh, event at Sincerely Tommy, um, I was coming off the hills of being in therapy, just learning more about myself, uh, dealing with my own fuck shit and stuff, um, as a cisgendered black male. And I, I guess I had just never really thought about or imagined, um, just what, what could a healthy sex life look like for me, exclusive of Christianity and all this other stuff? Um, and yeah, so it was just like, well, I don't, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I'm just gonna try putting myself in the right places and spaces and bringing, making room and space for that energy, and hopefully it'll just show up uh, eventually, uh, whatever that looks like. And so yeah, not too long after that. Uh, time that I had spent in therapy, uh, then I had met you, Penda, 
and then after that session uh at uh sincerely tommy it just kind of opened opened my mind um and questions uh for me to ask myself um but yeah one i think it was one uh evening a few months later um during the weekend i had like got off work um and was just going out uh to house of yes to just enjoy myself um they i think that night they were having like a prince celebration so like they played his entire discography um then yeah you should do that in honor of this story yeah so they were like going in and so yeah i was just like out doing my thing enjoying myself and uh this older white woman like comes up and at first i'm like avoiding her but i'm like uh we'll dance whatever and after a few dances um we were just talking casually uh and she was like oh you know have you been here and stuff before and i was like no this is actually my first time and so uh yeah like the conversation just carried on but um it started changing directions um when she i don't know she asked me um some question about uh i guess just like how's like life been lately and shit um and i was just you know going again making room and space for that energy was just like yo you know i'm just in a really good mind space where i'm just like being open-minded to a lot of things um especially like sexually uh and she was like oh like what does that look like like what do you mean and so um yeah i think at the time uh like i was just really really and even still now like really really curious about threesomes group sex like how does that dynamic work um and so yeah i shared that with her and she was like would you like to have a threesome tonight <laughs> and yeah i was just like sure yeah why why not because you know again coming from like my background it was always it fantasy and and what happens in my mind was always i guess the best experience um and so it was just like oh this is not going to go anywhere but it'll be something cool to fantasize about um and so she was like yeah you know let's just uh you know i already had something going on tonight with somebody and i don't mind like adding someone else to the mix and i was like okay sure <laughs> yeah sure whatever the fuck that means so yeah so <clears throat> we're going to like coat check and stuff and the, you know the whole time i'm just like telling myself like this is not gonna happen like it typical you know bullshit but i'll see how far it goes and so we're like getting our coats and shit um i see her like sending the text uh to this guy um and we leave outside and it's still not hitting me i'm like you know it's 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 she's gonna draw the line somewhere someone's gonna draw a line um and it wasn't until we got in her car um and we put on our seat belts and those doors locked was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah like yeah this is really happening and so um she shares with me like during the car ride well even on the dance floor but definitely in the car ride um she's a swinger and so she's married um to uh a older white guy and they're both swingers they've been in the lifestyle for decades and so um they have it set up to where every month uh they block out one or two weekends to like either I don't know, have group sex with someone or like together 
or like have their own experiences exclusive um, of each other. And so that was her night. Uh, so he wasn't going to participate, but she uh, she had an older she herself was older. I'll say her mid 40s. Um, and then the guy that uh, she reached out to was a little bit younger than her, but still older than me. Um, and he was a uh, black guy. And yeah, it was just like the whole time in my mind. Because, again, I'm a very like mental like I, I get so caught up, you know, in my own fantasy, in my own mind. So it was just like, man, like this is going to be this is going to be interesting. And so, um, yeah, we like I'm still in the car with like a stranger pretty much. And we're like driving out uh, to like the edge of Brooklyn uh, to find like a. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole time I'm like, yo, like this could go so many different ways. Like, should I just like unbuckle my seat and just like jump out, you know? So, yeah. So we get like to this motel. Um, yeah, it's like sketchy as fuck. Like literally everyone that's checking in ahead of us and behind us are only there to fuck. Um, like a one. Yeah. No one's actually there for whatever you go to a motel for. And so, um, yeah, we like reserved the room and everything. And I hear the guy call, uh, the other guy, the guy call, uh, her and stuff. They have like a quick conversation and so we like go to the room and I'm just like, I like it. I'm so used to like, you know, knowing somebody and stuff, there being some kind of history. So it's just like this again, still a complete stranger. And so we get in the room. Um, I'm just like, man, this guy's about to like pop up. And she was like, oh, he's going to be he's going to be a while, you know, so like, let's just chill. So we like smoked a little bit uh, together and that kind of calmed my nerves. Um, and the whole time uh I didn't notice it at the time, but she was just constantly talking and checking in with me. Um, and I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know at the time when she was doing it, what that it was actually very intentional and it was very purposeful um, and what she was doing and why she chose to do it that way. And so, um, yeah, we talked slowly started or she slowly started stripping down and I was just like, OK, it's it's happening. And, uh, yeah, I started stripping down and yeah, we were like naked, just talking, smoking. Um, we began foreplay and so started with just like kisses, making out. Um, I went down on her and ate her out. I'll say this, uh, it was probably the best oral sex experience from my end that I've had. I don't know why. Um, maybe I was just high. I, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, it was really good. And but in the back of my mind, I was just like, OK, when is this other guy going to pop into the scene and stuff? And so uh, probably. She at that point, I think it was like maybe 15 minutes into me eating her out um, that the guy like showed up and she didn't really describe him well, um, because when he opened the door, <laughs> when he opened the door, he was a little bit taller than you, but completely muscular completely muscular and I was not expecting that and I was like yeah 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 and so yeah like I immediately like went limp like fuck like what did I really get myself into and so it it was so 
I don't know, amongst black men, especially black cis men, um, there's so much performative shit that we do uh, to uh, impress each other. And so immediately, like, I assume that and projected onto this other cis black man that, man, he's like going to be like, yo, you got to you got to come hard. And if you don't come hard, like, get the fuck out. And so, yeah, like he came in, um, he had to like shower and stuff because he had just got off work and he was like, it's cool. Like, y'all do y'all thing. Like, I'm going to just shower real quick and then like we'll get to it. And so I was like, fuck. So I was like, I got five minutes to like get it together. And so, um, yeah, the whole time I'm like, fuck, keep it together. Like, keep it up, keep it up. And yeah, I've just like, I could not get that out of my mind. And so uh, his shower was done. He comes out and uh, we all just start talking. They start clearly like they've done this before because they're like asking each other, oh, how was each other's day and shit. And I'm like, yo, like, what the fuck? Um, and so finally, like, yeah, he, like, gets all the way naked. Um, they both immediately, like, climb into bed. And right before they start, she, uh, the woman tells me, like, hey, I just want to check in on you again. Like, you know, you don't have to, don't feel any pressure to, like, engage or, or perform some kind of way. Like, this is just for you to experience so if you feel the need to like jump in, cool. But if not, like you can just sit back, relax. Like we'll try to make it to where, you know, it works. And so I, even though she said that, it was just like, well, I feel like I still need to perform. Like you invited me in this space when you didn't have to. You know, the moment I said that I had never had a threesome, like you didn't have to let me into that space. Um, and so, yeah, like they started um, and they like, got it in like he was she so she like laid out on the bed um with her head like over one of the sides of the bed he was like in front of her and she was she was like upside down and he was basically like fucking her throat and yeah that i was the way they were like going in yeah. <laughs> that did something for you huh Yeah, it was just like they knew each other. They they knew each other, and they had obviously had sex many times before me. Um, and yeah, I was at I was on the other end, like still fucking eating her out, and I was like, I I I can't I because I'm you know focusing on that, but then at the same time, like yeah, like just watching, like what the you know, because you you watch porn, you see like yeah, you just you've seen. You, or for me, I've seen like threesomes and stuff in so many other uh, contexts uh, just through screen on, across yeah, the internet. But to see it like actually in front of you, um, but especially with two partners that know each other well um, and like really click, it's a beautiful thing. And it's like, for me, I'm very visual and it was just hard to like focus in on my end when you just see these two people like connecting so raw um and so yeah like i it was a point not too long after they started where i was just like it's not gonna happen for me like i'm just gonna sit back and like just chill um and so yeah like i watched i felt intimate it was a multitude of different uh feelings so feeling intimidated but then also i think a feeling of curiosity um, and just, uh, I, 
yeah, I, I think, and sorry if I'm backtracking. So uh, growing up in like the Christian home that I did, I, I knew my parents had sex, but I never, I never saw what a healthy sex life looked like outside of my dad just coming home and saying, asking, yeah, hey, how was your day, wife? And like, yeah, us, yeah, like, and it's, I mean, for them that worked, but for me that did no justice to understanding how sex worked, um, and especially in religious circles, they tell you all this shit to like suppress and repress you, but then what happens when you get married, now they all of a sudden expect you to just know it and you know how to do all these things. And it's like, no, I, I haven't had any training. If I've done it by your way, I, I have no training or preparation. Um, and if I didn't do it by your way, I'm left with probably more trauma than anything. Um, and so, yeah, so all that was clicking in my mind and was just like, damn, this is the first time I think I've seen people in real life in front of me have a healthy sex life. Um, and they aren't Christians uh, and they aren't married together, but they just, they, they love each other. Um, in this sense. And so, yeah, like, uh, they finished really quick. Um, and yeah, they were like laughing, joking and stuff afterwards. And the first thing that came out, cause at the very end I was just like, man, I know he's going to open his mouth and like, just, yeah, just go off on me. And this will probably stick with me the rest of my life. Uh, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, don't worry about it. Like, this is exactly how my first experience went. And he actually spent the next five to 10 minutes uh, telling me just how his first experience in a threesome went and how he went limp too. And it actually took him having to have, uh, cause he was in the same situation. So it was like male, male, female. Um, so for him, what was helpful was the next time he had a threesome, uh, it was helpful for him um, to be with two women and that's what helped him like get out of his his mind um but it was i think the amount of of understanding um but then even reassurance uh and and yeah thoughtfulness like mindfulness yeah it just it i was not expecting that um and so yeah and then the woman like chimed in too like she's like you're good and stuff like you know, did you at least like what you see and everything? I was like, yeah, I, I would love to like try this experience again, maybe with people who are like younger and maybe a little bit less experienced. Um, Cause it just seemed like they, they, they were, I won't say like they were professionals, but um, they did have their own porn channel. Uh, so yeah. 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 But that's a whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a whole other, yeah. You see me afterwards for that story, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's a huge detail I left out, right? Um, so <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. But um, so the guy, he uh, he was like, well, you know, I'm just going to go outside and I'm just going to you know, uh, smoke a cigarette and stuff like y'all chill. And he stepped out and like <laughs> he didn't show back up again. So he uh, what he did, the reason he did that 
was because he the way they set it up was because they knew like this is my first time having this experience maybe i would have felt more comfortable if it was just me and her and so that's why he took his time getting over there he wanted us to connect a little bit better and then even after uh after everything was said and done he left immediately because he thought well maybe he still wants to get his nut in or something (laughs) and yeah so and i didn't but but I ended up sitting and just talking uh, with the woman because I was just like, how did you even get into this lifestyle? Like, you know, what? yeah, just tell me every, any and everything. So we talked for a few hours uh, about all of that. Um, but I guess uh, the main things that I took away from the experience was um, communication. Like communication is so key. Um, from the From the time we met on the dance floor, to the time that guy, well, the time I left, um, she kept checking in and I didn't realize how helpful that was. Um, had I not mentally been, uh, in a block and, and actually participated, I think it would have been like awesome, especially with someone who checks in so often. Um, and then I think it was another, another thing that was holding me back. I just felt like with my sexual experiences, uh, that were, too often riddled with guilt and shame. I just felt like I wasn't ready for a threesome yet. It was like, well, first let me get like, imposter yeah, imposter syndrome. It was like, man, I feel like I'm, you know, playing the all-star game immediately from like high school <laughs> tryouts. And it's like, no, that's not how sex works. Um, and if you create space, uh, honestly, for new experiences, um, new chapters, like you will be shocked uh, what actually shows up. Um, and yeah, you just, it's no merit to, to what experience you want to have. Like if you want to have it, if you want to do it, make room for it, put yourself in the right spaces, um, help communicate that to your close, uh, group and, and friends and tribe. Um, and yeah, within a year's time, if not (laughs) a couple of months time, you, you should be, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's my story. I don't know if anyone has any questions. Someone, someone asked if you ever, if you've seen her since then. Nice. Yes. Uh, well, Doctor, um, we are running a little short on time, but I just wanted to know if um, Doctor Meadows, you had anything around shame or religious shame or guilt or performance anxiety that you could speak to relating to this story. Yes, I- I'll give it a shot. Um, listen to your story. Um, it made me think of one of the themes we do in sex education that sex is just a form of pleasure, right? Like many other things. Um, and often we get taught that it isn't, but at its core, sex is about pleasure. It's about enjoying your body, sometimes just with yourself, sometimes with another person, sometimes with multiple people. And many things can get in the way of us being comfortable enough to allow pleasure, right? And the story that you gave us, it was, it was a pressure to perform, right? In our day-to-days, it can be stress from whatever we have going on in our life that's not allowing us to relax enough to enjoy sex, 
and we think it's actually we have a sexual problem when it's actually uh, how we're feeling about our bodies, how we're feeling sexually actually is telling us the story of how we're dealing with other things going on in our life, stress, anxiety, depression, all that shit that life throws at you. Um, in your example, you worked with, you were encountering people who, you mentioned communication, and they allowed us a, a space for you to sort of work through and find your comfort level wherever it was that evening so that you could get pleasure out of that. And I, it's, it's great if people can pull from that to allow that same space for them and whatever, they, whatever experiences they go through. Um, pornography can be a great source of education. We can learn the stuff our parents didn't teach us or we didn't pick up in class, but it can also teach this false reality about sex that when you get in real life, oh shit, it didn't happen like it happened in the, the porn video. The, the, the dick doesn't just go in the anus so easily like it did in the video. Well, in porn, they just, they're into it and next thing you know, it's in there and they're going, oh, real life isn't always like that. Uh, you know, in porn, the three-way is just always hot and it goes perfectly. No, it's not always like that in real life. So it's important to give yourself space to find uh, a level of comfort so that you can enjoy the pleasure that you're seeking. And, like, I think your story is a great example of that. And I think we can all think in our own personal experiences about sort of how finding comfort or allowing ourselves space to find comfort lets you enjoy more of the pleasure you're seeking in that sexual encounter. And just know that that's always normal. Right. Um, and actually, I tell patients whether we're working on anxiety, we're working on depression or some dissatisfaction with sex in their life. Uh, we want to seek out the discomfort because that's where the most growth is. So if you're if you're running up against that in your your sexual adventures, take that as a good sign and allow yourself exploration around that, because that, that's where your change is and that's where your growth is going to be. Yes. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, because I know we could all talk about sex and different topics for forever, we could all go around and share, um, but we are coming up on the end of the time, and I still, if people wanted to, oh, we have to do the raffle, yes, we have to do the raffle, and if people want to get a couple more photos in um, before the end of the night, but I want to thank uh, Dr. Travis Meadows tremendously for get, lending your insight, because it's so valuable, thank you, yes. Um, thank you to you all for showing up and being present in the space. Thank you to NECA, Teresa, and Corey for sharing their stories and everyone else for just lending their energy. Um, thankful, thank you to Mindful Meditation. Yes, Ian for helping. Yes, about the three-way. Yes, amazing. Oh, for the space. Oh. <laughs> I was like, yes, okay. Thank you. <laughs> about the space. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> yes, about the, about the space, okay? Space can mean lots of things, okay? Um, but I am going to be doing this monthly. I'm not uh, still solidifying. Hello. We are talking. Still solidifying the next date and location. But um, if you're interested in sharing a story, hit me up, email me. I'm always down to talk to people about their experiences. Um, be sure to like the Proho podcast. The first episode came out today. It's dropping every Sunday. Um, this week's episode was with Jillian Hervey of Line Babe. Um, the episode is called Think Like a White Girl, where we break down some of the social um, constructs of why we think white women are allowed to navigate spaces with like sexual ease and women 
flimsy and black women have not been afforded such luxuries. So I hope that you tune into that as well as in the episode, we do a live uh, caller portion. So people call in anonymous anonymously. We answer questions. So if you have questions that you want to ask, but you don't want people knowing your name, you can also hit me up to do that. Um, so I'm really excited and thank you all for coming to this event. So stay tuned. Yes. Thank you. And thanks to our sponsors, Unbound Babe. There's still some lube there and to Dame Products for these vibrators, as well as Bedvine Brew, who donated the wine graciously. Um, all right. So let's do this raffle. So I guess we'll do first. This is a vibrator for fingers. Um, it says designed to feel like a natural extension of your body, seamlessly adding vibration to foreplay and sex without spoiling the mood. So this one goes to... Wangari. Yay! Yes! Happy birthday! I'm never won a fucking raffle in my life. Amazing. Okay. And for this one is a vibrator for couples where you can put it onto your clit and it attaches to your labia. And then during penetrative sex, it vibrates against your clit happens there okay and this one goes to Lou Yay! <laughs> we have a couple we have a couple here yes <laughs> yes <laughs> have fun tonight Please send me a review of the product. I would love that. Yeah, tomorrow send me a review of the product. Amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Thanks. Yes.